I got a decent amount of stuff to talk about on the front end, so. Okay. <laughs> Episode 11, Restoring Human Podcast. I'm Jared Bakken. I'm Dr. Alex Arguello. And we are terribly, terribly sorry. If you subscribe on iTunes or YouTube, you'll notice a gap between Episode 9 and Episode 11. For that, we apologize. Especially because episode 10 was super sweet. Oh my gosh. So some of you caught it on Facebook Live last week, but we had our good friend Lynn Waterman, cat's out of the bag. We are keeping that a little bit of a secret. But we had her on to talk about her experience over the past six months or so in a very dramatic life change. Um, huge amount of weight loss and a lot of lifestyle changes. And, unfortunately, we lost the official recording. Don't know how. And I was very upset about it for a good amount of time after we recorded it. But, it's all over. Can't do anything about it. Can't dwell on it. Good news is, we're back this week. Also, good news is, I believe we're going to try to uh, re-record that next week. The remix. Yeah, so it won't be quite as, uh, I don't want to call it not authentic, but, and actually, it, it, who knows, it could end up better because now we have a little more context that I don't think we necessarily had Mm-mm. at first, so maybe we'll get some better questions, or yeah, better things out of it, but it was really good. If you want to suffer through the bad uh, audio of the Facebook Live feed, go ahead and watch that, but if not, don't worry that her story will be shared. Yes. Yes, it will. So, now that I've gotten that out of the way, episode 11 today. Alex, where are we headed? Are you going to do the brought to you by? Oh, yeah. Because uh, I have something to say about that. Okay. Uh, once again, we are brought to you by Great River Family Chiropractic. Go to greatriverfamilychiropractic.com slash human to receive a free chiropractic consultation. That's uh, where we are currently residing. Yeah, and I want to say something about that really quick. Just basically kind of clarify who that visit is for and why it's important. Um, If you have been following along with us, we hit on this in episode five where we went through um, kind of the three different parts of of healthcare that we all need. Um, One of those types of healthcare was adaptive healthcare. What that means basically is a big part of taking care of our health is, is making sure that our bodies are have this ability to adapt to our environment. Um, and that ability has to be strong to be able to adapt to our environment. If it's not, then we're not going to be healthy. The nervous system is what determines your body's ability to do that. So we want a healthy nervous system. And what determines is whether or not our nervous system is healthy is whether or not it has tension on it. So as a chiropractor, my main focus is to figure out if there's tension and where that tension is at on the nervous system. So who that visit is for is anybody that's never really had their spine and nervous system evaluated for for that tension. Now that could be a newborn baby, that could be a child, that could be a teenager, that could be an adult. We all need um, our our spines checked for that specific purpose. Stress on your nervous system. 
because there's no way you, you can be ultimately healthy and reach your God-given potential if there is that stress and that tension. So who that visit is not for is somebody who doesn't understand that um, or maybe not understand it but kind of rejects it and just wants their neck cracked mm. because they have neck pain. That's not who um, I prefer to take care of. Um mm-hmm. And I'm not actually even very good at that sort of thing. <laughs> so um, I was reminded about just kind of the need for education on chiropractic um, by a phone call I received yesterday. So my assistant, Rebecca, is in Puerto Rico visiting family. So I don't usually answer the phones, but I am now answering the phones. Yeah. Um, and I got a call and um, a lady on the other line said, hello, I'm um, calling because I'm shopping around for a new chiropractor. Uh-huh. So I'm like, awesome, I can help you with that what do you need to know and she's like well can you just kind of explain to me what the initial process is to becoming a new patient and I w- went through I was like yeah we'll we'll get a history of you we'll, I'll do a consultation kind of see what's going on and then I'll do an examination of your nervous system so that we can figure out what we would need to do to help you and uh, that might include x-rays it might not and she's like okay well that's one of the main reasons I was asking because um, I don't really want x-rays um, because I kind of know what I need based off of where it hurts and what I've had done from other chiropractors. Hmm. So, of course, I'm like, <laughs> Red man, line. if I would have known before I went to school for eight years and invested <sighs> lots and lots of money to become a doctor that all I needed to do was just ask somebody where it hurts and, and say, where else does your chiropractor poke, adjusted you? Poke at? me here. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I would have been able to help people you know, a lot sooner and, and, and a lot cheaper, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's who it's not for. Um, again, we want to... The reason that somebody would be under chiropractic care and the reason that I want to provide them chiropractic care is just a part of this whole lifestyle that we're trying to teach people, this kind of restoring human lifestyle, this um, not this just solely reacting to our health, but promoting um, health and uh, the body functioning the way it's supposed to. So I just wanted a quick gotcha, say yeah. about that. Uh, hopefully she does not listen to the show because... She might get a little offended by that. But well, I mean, I suppose it's her question. I didn't say it to her. I yeah. thought it in my head. <laughs> well, you said it now. <laughs> uh, actually, one more thing on the on the uh, good old human topic. Totally off subject. Do you know what vocal fry is? <laughs> Were you in on this conversation? I uh, I don't know what conversation you're speaking about specifically, but I've. I've heard things about your voice that's What the heck? Yeah. (laughs) Like, now I'm all aware of, like, how I'm talking. Anyway, somebody told me that, like, I talk in this certain way, and so it's, you've got, what is it, four different, like, vocal ranges, and apparently I use one that's not supposed to be used to talk in? Hmm. I don't know, but... Is so it supposed to be used at all, though? No, so it's like the lowest register. Who's watching? Oh, okay. I was wondering if it was one of the people that could say something about this. It's like, So it's the lowest register, and uh, yeah, apparently it's not meant for regular talking, but whatever. I don't know. I've, I've been doing a lot of research on it. I, don't, I just didn't know if you knew much about it. Nope. I do not. Whatever. Sorry. So now that I'm extremely self-conscious about my voice, <laughs> let's keep talking. <laughs> All right. Where are we headed today for real? Well, we want to kind of 
continue the direction we've been going for the last few weeks and focus on nutrition. Um, but get more specific on the dangers of the this kind of the standard American diet um, or just the diet that most people, um, not only in America now, but most people live throughout the world, um, which is far away from um, the diet that people used to have. So, of course, we've hit on some, you know, just really numerous problems with this diet. We've hit on how there's too many carbohydrates in that particular diet. We hit on the um, how we've kind of gotten away from the sources, the natural sources of whether it's meat or dairy or, or even the way we grow vegetables and, and other produce. Um, we've talked just that we're eating too much, we're eating too often, all those different things. But probably the two biggest things, and we, and we hit on it um, in an earlier episode, was just this sugar and vegetable oil thing that uh, is probably the two biggest um, problems with this diet and the two, probably the two biggest ways that we've gotten so far away from this um, human diet that we're trying to, to communicate to people. So I want to get into some specifics on that. And I don't know, um, we might not even get to both of them oh, based shoot. off of where we go. <laughs> but again, no, that means we just have something else to talk about at a later show. But um, we're, we're going to start with sugar. That's where we want to go. Um, so before, and you might want to speak to this a little bit, but I'll, I'll just speak to it real fast. Before we get into talking about what sugar or what vegetable oils do to our bodies, because you're going to probably hear us talk about it really in a tone that says they're, they're evil and they're the devil and we shouldn't be putting them in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Just kind of full disclosure, confession a little bit. Uh Uh-oh. We're not talking about these things in a way that we we would be judging people or kind of talking mm-hmm. down on them like okay. they do this and we don't, so they're sure. you know somehow worse than us. I wish that I could say for myself and for my family that we treat these things like the plague and mm-hmm. they they never go inside of our body. But if I said that, that would be a lie. Sure. So the two things we're going to be hitting on is vegetable oils or industrialized seed oils, vegetable oils, and sugar. What is my favorite treat in the world. Am I supposed to, can I answer this? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Alex loves donuts. <laughs> <laughs> loves donuts. Yes. <laughs> so when you think about a donut, it's probably the, the one of the absolute worst <laughs> things you can put in your body. <laughs> Why? Because, again, just getting to back to the, the whole problem with processed food, it's, it's a processed grain, so it takes a, a whole grain and makes it into a processed grain, so it's white bread. Mm-hmm. And then they take that white bread and they fry it in, into this vegetable oils that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And then they just put sugar all over <laughs> top of it. And and oftentimes food colorings. And then there's colorings, there's chemicals, there's additives, <laughs> preservatives, depending on which donuts you're eating. So, yeah, um, not something we should be putting in our body, <laughs> obviously. Um, but uh, we do. We yeah. put these things in our, in our body um, on occasion. So... Side note about that, Alex once told me that the joy that he receives from eating a donut completely offsets any uh, <laughs> any negative effects of <laughs> its nutritional value. Yeah, it's th- right? It's stress relieving. At least, at least to an extent for 30 seconds. Yeah. So our hope would be that as we talk about this stuff today is that it would be motivating and, and hopefully encouraging um, to to stay away from this stuff or minimize it as much as possible. Um, but we also want to try to communicate taking the philosophy that we're teaching um, and I guess making application with this with this sort of thing. So 
when you learn all the problems with sugar, when you learn all the problems with vegetable oil, hopefully again, that, that would motivate you to, to try to minimize it. But also just by knowing those things, now when you do put something like that in your body and you experience the negative effects, mm -hmm. the philosophy would say that the reason that I'm having these health problems, the reason that I'm, you know, I just got sick or whatever it is, is not because of some, a lack of medication yeah. that I need to put in my body to fix those symptoms. It's, man, I did something, I made a bad choice sure. for my health. So now I just need to start making good choices and eventually my body will, will balance out, get back to the way it's supposed to function. Not again, just covering up that symptom so you, that you can continue to eat more donuts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're hoping to communicate. Cause I, I mean, I've, I've experienced this in the past, you know, cause I used to be worse, but even now, like when I talk about um, healthy stuff, people are like, well, you talk about all this healthy stuff, but then I see you, you know, eating pizza or whatever sure. um, at a gathering, like a birthday party or something sure. like that. Sure. I'm like, well, the difference is, <clears throat> yes, I'll, if I go to some sort of celebration, I'll eat something like that, but I know most likely what's going to happen to me. So now I can kind of overcompensate on the other end mm -hmm. and, and do some things to, to allow my body to heal from that and, and get back to functioning normally. But I also have, I guess, made my, made that a, an opportunity to, for me to do that because I haven't done that leading up to that particular right. point. So now it's not going to have as, as much devastating effect on my body as somebody else who that celebration is just a continuation mm -hmm. of what they, for sure, what they do typically for every, sure. every single day. And they're also not going to probably do something um, to respond to that. Um, or they probably will, but it might not be the, the best um, way to respond to that. So, yeah, it's like, it's especially if it's like, you know, you go out to dinner and you go to the like super fancy burger joint mm -hmm. and like, you go and you order a salad and like, <laughs> like, I don't know, you like, that's, that's not what you're, <laughs> it's not what you're there for. And so, well, I mean, and again, if, if that is what you enjoy eating, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. Definitely do that. But if you're doing it because again, you, right. It's, it's when it's like, so it's, it's kind of like what is in the acute, if you're on some type of, you know, 30 day yeah. diet or something and like, this healthy eating is something that's this acute time in your overall life you're participating in, then, okay, yeah, you go out to dinner and you try to make the absolute best choice possible. But when on the flip side, the pizza, the burgers, the desserts, whatever, when that is this acute thing amidst this otherwise very healthy, very nourishing diet, then it's, yeah, it's not like, it's not a big deal. Right. Right. I mean, it, it is a big deal. Your body has to fight against it, but you're more, it's almost like building a hedge against that exactly. for this one instance. So yep. like, I hearing you talk about that makes me think of, I think around like holidays and things like that, where you go to lots of parties and you have like multiple days of, Oh, it, dessert after this meal and that kind of thing like that's when I personally notice things the most is when it's uh kind of jam-packed into like one week of multiple times being at different events and things and right. compromising you know continually over the course of a few days as opposed right. to like you know yeah go to one party whatever like enjoy what's going on and it's tip usually one instance like that's not a huge deal right right and like we, I mean, 
they didn't get to see it. But like we said with Lynn, because one of the questions you asked her was, have you indulged in anything mm-hmm. after doing this? And she <laughs> said, yeah. And um, we were at a party and I had a cupcake because there was cupcakes there and we wanted to celebrate the graduation of, of a friend's daughter. And, and I said, well, I can probably guarantee that you enjoyed that cupcake way more than the other people enjoyed it. Yeah. Because you know? again, it, she's not always having it. Um, so that that's kind of how, again, the, the regular, the, the best way a human is supposed to eat is they're supposed to eat in this way, but then, you know, for them, it might've been berries or honey. Sure. You know, they would come across it very, in a rare occasion and they would just super enjoy it, you know? Yeah. All, us, it's, that's what we're eating all the time. So mm-hmm. our ability to even enjoy it goes away. Sure. Yep. All right. So let's start with sugar. A substance that um, <clears throat> is ubiquitous, it's in everything, right? Pretty much all processed foods, things in a box, in a bag, in a can, all are full of, of sugar, and there's lots and lots of different forms that sugar sugar comes in. Um, I think before we get into research on what kind of what we've been able to find that sugar does to our body, we could just go again off ob- observation, like did people for thousands of years in the way that they they were eating and they didn't struggle with all the health problems that we struggle with did they eat sugar and the answer to that would be yes they did eat sugar do you know how they ate sugar how are you defining sugar i guess yeah well sh- again that's that's where we want to go because okay. people hear the word sugar Again, see it as evil, see it as a devil, see it as something that should never go inside of our body. But vegetables, fruit, grains, tubers, even milk, dairy mm-hmm. products, mm-hmm. all those have forms of, of sugar in them. Um, so, yeah, people, when they ate those um, types of food, they were ingesting sugar, right? So we know that just based off of that you know, just observing history that our bodies are able to handle sugar. They're able to process it, do something with it. We even talked about this a couple of weeks ago with how sugar is a, a way that taking in sugar is a way our body can um, have energy, can turn into ATP and, and right. be able to, to function well. So our bodies actually even need sugar. Our bloodstreams, um, if we don't have a, a certain amount of sugar in our bloodstreams, we wouldn't survive. Um, there's something called hypoglycemia. Basically, it's low blood sugar. That's very dangerous. They even know that our red blood cells, the only way they function is off of glucose, off a sugar molecule. So they can't use anything else to to function. So we absolutely need sugar. But the problem is when we compare how those people, the, the ways that they would get sugar and the amount of sugar that they would get is a lot different than what we're doing now. Yeah, sure. So... Just to kind of hit on some statistics about that. If we kind of even forget about those type of people like um, thousands of years ago and just even go a couple hundred years ago, research says that in the late 1700s, the average intake of sugar per year was four pounds, the average um, person. In the 1800s, that went up to 18 pounds per year. So that's a pretty significant jump. Super. In the 1900s, it went up to 90 pounds per year. Now, what's your guess for what it is now? Oh, gosh. Uh, so you went 
4 to 18, so a little over 4 times, and then 18 to, what was the last one? 90. 90. Basically, another 4. I, I don't want to say 4. Let's say times 2. <laughs> yeah, that'd be about right. It's 200 pounds per year. <laughs> More than 2. Wow. Sugar that we ingest. So 50% of, of Americans take in over 50 teaspoons of sugar every single day. They know that for optimal health, that the average um, male, I think it is, can take in nine teaspoons of sugar per day, and the f average female should take in six teaspoons of sugar per day. And 50% of Americans take in 50 teaspoons of sugar per day. So explain to me that difference between men and women. Body mass? Yeah, I think, well, just probably hormone function, just mm -hmm. body's ability for muscles to kind of absorb up um, the, the sugar. Yep. So bodies are going to use it. So that's actually a good point. So th that's kind of how most people think about sugar, right? They just see it as, um, its source of energy. Mm -hmm. So if we take in sugar, our bodies can use it for energy. And if they don't, the only thing that's going to happen is it's just going to get stored. Maybe they don't even know it gets stored, but some people even know because they know it leads to things like becoming overweight. It gets stored in our body as fat. But that's all that that's going to happen. Do you know what nine teaspoons is in grams? Uh, I think it was like 22 grams, maybe. Should compare 22 grams to maybe I have that. certain foods. Um, no, I don't got it. Alex also has about 20 tabs open on his computer at all times. Actually. At all times. And like for multiple days in a row. <laughs> um, it is 38 grams okay. of 9 teaspoons, 25 grams for 6 teaspoons. So that's a ton. Yeah. Um, so then, you, again, just common sense says people in the 1700s, things like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, even things like autoimmune disease, all the hormonal problems that we struggle with now, thyroid, adrenals, all this stuff. Like that stuff was extremely rare in the, in the 1700s. And now it's epidemic. Yeah. Right. Chronic disease is epidemic. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes, all that stuff is on the rise. Um, and that's really only been happening since the early 1900s when we went from, again, 18 pounds to 90 pounds. And now Obviously, as it gets worse, we, we are at 200 pounds of sugar. So, um, again, there's so much about nutrition that, that people get confused about. Um, but if we could just keep it as simple as possible, like the problem or the I guess the biggest difference in how people used to eat when they were healthy and how we eat now and we're unhealthy is not because we eat too much meat, not because you know we eat too much gluten or dairy or all the other stuff, That's all the crazes that are out right now. It's because... One of the biggest reasons is because we eat too much sugar. Sure, sure. Yep. So maybe this is where you're going, but what what's actually the problem with sugar? Well, there's many problems. Um, <coughs> it's extremely toxic um, in, in high amounts. Um, but probably, I guess we'll just start with kind of some of the more basic stuff and then go to, to more serious stuff here. Mm -hmm. We all know sugar rots our teeth probably right which is probably the main reason that people 
used to have their kids avoid sugar yeah. or minimize it as much as possible. Yeah. Not necessarily because they cared about their kids' teeth, but because they cared about paying the dental bills, right? <laughs> <laughs> once, once again, former dental student over here. That's right. <laughs> but one of the primary things that sugar does is, is creates inflammation. So inflammation, um, when you talk to um, really people that study health and all the chronic diseases, ins- inflammation is a part, plays a part in every single chronic disease that's out there. Um, but you think something like arthritis, which is this inflammation of your joints. So that can cause obviously severe pain. It can be debilitating, you know, cause people to, to have to retire early, things like that. Sugars causes inflammation, which if that gets into your joints, it can lead to things like arthritis. Mm-hmm. If inflammation happens in your sinuses, that causes sinusitis, which leads to sinus infections, can maybe develop sinus polyps, which are abnormal cells, can turn into cancer cells, um, causes sinus headaches, all this miserable stuff that people deal with there. Yeah. If your gut gets inflamed, that um, can lead to things like what's called leaky gut, um, which then leads to autoimmune problems like Crohn's disease, MS, type 1 diabetes, all those different things. Yep. Um, inflammation of your brain. That uh, can cause something simple as migraine headaches, um, but it can also lead to things like uh, um, neurological problems that are on the autism spectrum. Um, of course, it can lead to things like dementia, Alzheimer's, um, and then even death. Obviously, if your brain inflames too much, um, you, could, you can obviously die. Um, so inflammation is just, is just huge, right? Um, heart disease. So heart disease um, is a huge inflammatory problem. So one of the, the best tests, everybody gets their cholesterol test or blood pressure test. One of the best tests to figure out if you are on your way to heart disease is an inflammatory marker called CRP or, or homocysteine. Um, so if you have th- those levels are high, we know that there's somewhere inflammation in your body. And if you have other symptoms of heart disease, then we know that's probably the primary problem is just inflammation that's happening. So your arteries basically inflaming, closing down, causing mm-hmm. high blood pressure, causing potential heart attacks. So inflammation is, is deadly. Um, and it happens again when we have an overabundance of, of sugar. Next thing is uh, shuts down your immune system. So I can't remember if I've talked about this in a in a previous episode, but I know I did a blog post on it. Yeah. But it decreases what's called the phagocytic index. What that means is basically how many, the number of bacteria, bad bacteria, or any sort of other microbe that gets inside your body, the number that your each white blood cell can kill. So, of course, you want your white blood cells going after these bacteria. Mm-hmm killing them before they were to cause negative effects um, to your body. So they found that when we ingest too much sugar, and I don't have the the exact number, um, but it is in that teaspoon area, um, shut your phagocytic index down by anywhere from 75 to sometimes 90%. Holy cow. So what that means, basically, if you have 100 bacteria somewhere in your body that is going to cause negative effects, your white blood cells normally would go and kill all 100 of those, and keep you healthy. But in the presence of sugar, it might only kill 10 of those things. And then bacteria is able to survive and just continue to go mm-hmm. and cause a bunch of problems. Yeah. So if you want to avoid colds, symptoms, flu symptoms, even allergy-type symptoms, all that is sugar plays a huge role. Okay, I've got, a, I've got a very, very practical question. Mm-hmm. So say 
somebody is experiencing flu symptoms and they understand that sugar is taxing to their immune system, they understand sugar is um, prohibiting them from getting better, wor working against them, fighting off that flu. Mm -hmm. But they also know that, like, when you have the flu, it's hard to eat. Um, and one of the easiest things to digest is simple carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's, like, the super practical, like, I guess, what should people eat when they do have the flu? Yeah. Well, I think we can learn from... And, and sorry, I guess I didn't really say it. So fat, on the other hand, is is it's much like harder it is you know longer burning like we've been talking about the past couple of weeks doesn't digest as quickly so you're saying it'd be more difficult for people to actually eat fat when their that, th bodies so just that, don't feel like they can eat anything right that's my question yeah. yeah well i was gonna say i think we can learn from man's best friend dogs okay when dogs are sick do you know what they do um, you know, I had a dog for about a year of my life, and that's about it. So, I don't know. Well, <laughs> dogs or any other animal sick, it doesn't eat at all. Okay. They just drink water mm -hmm. to stay hydrated. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't eat just because, again, intuitively they know, innately they know that if they eat something, that takes energy to break down, to digest, to get things out of it, to get rid of things that it doesn't need in your body. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're pulling that energy that your immune system potentially would need to fight off whatever's going on sure to then now not digest food so um probably the the biggest or the best um recommendation there was would be you don't necessarily have to eat when you're when you're feeling like that i think that's probably counterintuitive to what a lot of people think they think okay as soon as i can i need to get more fuel into my body yeah, yeah. so and again if if even if that was the case and it took energy so that you digest food, um, but it didn't have this other effect of, especially if you're eating sugar, mm -hmm. impact on the immune system, then it might be fine. But when you combine those two things, how it's just taking energy away from your immune system working, and then now you're putting something in your body like a sugar that's going to shut your immune system down even more, mm -hmm. um, then, yeah, it's absolutely crazy to eat something that's like a sugar yeah. when you're fighting a cold or a flu. Like a certain beverage marketed towards children with sugar and colors and that kind of thing that's probably a bad choice absolutely <laughs> absolutely and again if you're um wanting kind of an alternative to that um coconut water mm -hmm. is a super good alternative to that so it is uh hydrating but also has a right balance of electrolytes that you would need to because mm -hmm. obviously hydration is more than just water you know, you need minerals and stuff in there, what they call electrolytes. So coconut waters, what I would do. Does that answer your practical question? I think so. I think that's good. Okay. Next thing, sugar leads to addiction, which many people have a problem with. Um, and it doesn't just lead to sugar addiction. Hmm. It gets your body trained to the kind of the, what they studied is, Sugar, when you introduce sugary things into children at an early age, 
it kind of sets them up for, um, I guess, needing something like that to yeah. kind of give them pleasure um, over time. So it can be kind of like a gateway, like they think of marijuana as a gateway drug sure. to other worse illegal drugs. Um, they're, they're finding that sugar potentially could be the, the same thing. Um, but they're, but they've also found that it's, it's even more addicting than things like cocaine or heroin, which is super addicting to, for people. Now it's not going to have obviously the severe or immediate toxic effects that those uh -huh. drugs would have, but, um, it potentially could be even worse long-term because you don't know what it's doing to your body long-term and it's yeah. just causing problems where if, obviously if you're, you know, addicted to a illegal drug mm -hmm. that's going to cause you problems right away and you know you would need to make a change and behaviorally it's one of the most readily available substances period mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and um heroin dealers cocaine dealers can't legally market to people right <laughs> but sugar dealers market <laughs> to us in multiple ways so what it does is it, it so opiates um course you could take opiates um, there's drugs that take care of people's pain basically what it does is makes your takes your body it's supposed to take your body naturally from when we're feeling really down depressed about something it's supposed to take us to kind of normalize our emotions mm -hmm. and how we're feeling um, well sugar actually produces these endogenous so that just means your body insides making them um, as opposed to taking something outside the body um, it makes these opiates which are these chemicals that our bodies produce in response to, to taking us to from a place of feeling bad to feeling good. Well, the sugar gives us a high like a, like a drug would. So without even feeling bad when we're eating sugar, it kind of then now takes us even higher. So the problem with that is our bodies enjoy that pleasure. Mm -hmm. And what do you think it does? It wants more of oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So now we're always looking for kind of these short-term highs and we know we can get that from sugar. So that's what our bodies get addicted to, but then the problem is, um, well, there's already problems with that, but um, a, b a bigger problem is the more you eat, the more um, desensitized you get to it. So if I'm addicted to sugar and I'm eating a certain amount of sugar every day, eventually, in order for me to get that high, I will now need to ingest more sugar over time to yeah. get the same type of high, Yeah. which again leads to all kinds of problems. So. Leads to inflammation, leads to addiction, shuts down our immune systems. Next thing is a big deal, and, and um, many people don't know this, because um, when I say this word, everybody has a misunderstanding of what it actually is and how we should get better from it, but sugar feeds cancer cells. So cancer's probably the scariest thing that there is, I think, when everybody hears yeah. cancer, everybody For immediately sure. thinks death. Yeah unless they could be saved again by some sort of treatment. But there's actually a ton of stuff that we can do nutritionally to, um, I guess, make our bodies strong enough to be able to fight off mm -hmm. cancer and, and minimize the effects um, of cancer cells. Yeah. So cancer cells are, are what's called an obligate glucose metabolizer. What that means is is obligated to use sugar for energy. So where our cells can use multiple things for energy, cancer cells have kind of changed um, how they metabolize um, substances for, for energy and it can only use sugar mm -hmm. for that energy. 
So all of our cells have these receptor sites on them. So they're bringing in oxygen they can use for energy. They're bringing in, of course, sugar to use for energy. But what cancer cells do is they kind of, they go from, I don't know, I think it's like three or four receptor sites to like two or three times that many receptor sites for sugar because they know that's the only way Dang. that they can actually survive. So yeah. they put off all these more receptor sites. So then now if sugar comes anywhere close to them, they can absorb it. And that's how they continue to survive. Um, so, of course, if we are eating sugar, then we're feeding those cancer cells. We're allowing them to thrive. But what do you think happens if we stopped eating sugar? They don't survive. <laughs> <laughs> they don't survive. Why? Because they can't survive. Because the only way they can survive, the only way they can um, continue to produce energy and, and function is if they have sugar. Yeah. So eliminating as much sugar as we possibly can is a huge thing at fighting, of course, probably the most dread disease that there actually is. Mm -hmm. But probably the most devastating thing that sugar does to our bodies, and this is kind of what you were asking about is why sugar actually has these negative effects on our body, mm -hmm. is it negatively affects the hormone function in our body. And probably the biggest one that it affects is, is insulin. Um, so we talked about insulin, I believe, in episode nine. So yep. just the, the last one that was actually taped, episode nine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we said that uh, one of the benefits of fasting was um, decreasing your insulin levels. Yeah. And the reason that that's important is because um, if you have high insulin levels all the time, you can become insulin resistant. So sugar is why your insulin levels would be high all the time if you're eating sugar all the time. And then that becomes makes your cells insulin resistant. So what does that mean? When we put sugar in our body, it eventually gets to our bloodstream, right? So if we have too much sugar in our bloodstream, that would be super toxic for us and we would die. So our bodies produces hormone insulin, goes inside of our blood, takes that sugar molecule, and then wants to go and put it inside cells so that it could use it for energy. If you are insulin sensitive, meaning that your cells are welcoming those sugar molecules and they're okay with insulin bringing them in, um, you're going to be fine. You're going to be healthy and your hormones are going to function the way they're supposed to. And you're not going to create inflammation. But if you're eating too much sugar, then the more sugar you eat, of course, the more insulin you're going to have to produce. And then now there's all this insulin trying to get the sugar inside of cells, but eventually cells are like, I can't take Full. in any more sugar. Yeah. And again, those receptor sites that we talked about, they get used up. And now, now even if insulin wanted to put the sugar inside the cell, there's nowhere it could actually fit because the receptor sites are gone. Mm -hmm. So if it can't go inside the cell, it stays in the bloodstream. And then that's when obviously blood sugar goes high, which leads to type two diabetes, um, diabetic, all the problems that come with diabetics, um, like, you know, losing eyesight, losing or having neuropathy pain, which eventually could lead to losing limbs. Yeah. All of those different things can, can actually happen. Insulin resistant is also, um, they know that that can lead to cancer just because of the causing the inflammation. Sure. Um, they can know that it can lead to um, heart disease by causing inflammation in your arteries and destroying what they call endothelial cells, which is just the, the cells that line your arteries. But Alzheimer's disease, they're starting to think that it's just the third type of diabetes. Interesting. So what happens in it yeah. is just like the um, insulin resistance leads to your cells losing the receptor so that it can't take in um, the glucose. 
same thing potentially happens in your in your brain. So your lady's um, listening live and calling back right now to <laughs> yell at you. Um, so yeah, so all the problems that lead to um, dementia, Alzheimer's, cognitive decline, you know, memory loss, all those problems could potentially just be f- due to insulin resistance. Yeah. Um, so the biggest way to fight insulin resistance, which would mean the biggest way to fight cancer, the biggest way to fight Alzheimer's, the biggest way to fight heart disease, the biggest way to fight that leaky gut stuff that leads to autoimmune diseases is decreasing your inflammation with, by decreasing insulin resistance, by decreasing the amount of sugar that you're actually putting in your body. Makes a lot of sense to me. Makes a lot of sense to you. So, that sugar. And I think we probably could say more about that. Yeah, well, well, so here's something that I think is worth wrestling with. Sugar cane is natural product of the earth. How can you how can you say that something that God placed here in the ground is no good for us? Yeah. Well, again, like we started at the beginning, we need sugar mm-hmm. in certain amounts, and uh, you know, obviously, the w- way that God created food is He put these sugar molecules um, inside of other foods, right? So there's it's in fruit, it's in, in vegetables, it's in sugar cane. The problem is when we get involved sure. and we start to change the structure, we start to process it, we start to um, chemicalize it, Yeah. we start to c- develop different forms like taking uh, a corn kernel and processing it enough to where it becomes high fructose corn syrup. Um, all of these things are just that the processing of it now makes it something that number one, our body's not used to recognizing it in that form. Such a concentrated, not natural form. Like that's right. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Right. But then also, it's just that that makes it so much easier to put so much more of it inside of our body. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's no way we could eat enough vegetables or fruits yeah. Yeah. to get the amount of sugar that we get when we drink a soda. Yeah. So... Now our bodies in high concentrations of, of sugar, our bodies just are trying to survive, trying to adapt to it, but it just can't. And that's what leads to all those problems that come with Yeah, sugar. and I, I think I've said this before, but like one thing that I kind of came to on my own is realizing that eating real food, it's extreme. Like, I don't, I don't know that you can... Like, get to a point of obesity eating real food. Like, like you're saying, it's, it, I think it would probably be near impossible to get to certain levels of obesity without these extremely concentrated forms of sugar. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, even, Things that the probably the biggest thing that sugar is in is beverages. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's oh, yeah. whether it's a soda, so whether it's, it's a tea, or when it's a liquid, you can fruit juice. Put yeah. it back. You just continue to to drink more and more of it, mm-hmm. and um, you know not only is your body not used to that in high amounts, but it's also not used to it without you know the fiber and without the other vitamins yeah. and minerals that are in it. Yeah. Um, and then just okay. the absorption rate increases. 
Um, so your body is used to taking things in. If it's not water, it's it's or, or just water with you know very you know something else that's not in high amounts. If it's a food, it's you're meant to chew it. You're meant to get to your stomach, and mm-hmm. the acid's supposed to break it down. And there's just this kind of slow process of getting through your body, so your body can say, okay, what about this is good? I can take from it. And what about this is bad that I could just eliminate? When you're drinking something, it just kind of goes right through. The body doesn't doesn't really know what to do with it. Sure. So that's clear with soda. What about something like a fruit juice? It's really no different. Um, you know, fruit juice is not going to have most like, well, I guess some of them do have colorings and stuff in it, but, you know, it's not going to have like the car- caramel coloring like a, um, a soda would. It's not some of the carbonation stuff in sodas can be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to have the preservatives and stuff that are in a soda. So there are lots of other things that make soda worse. Um, and, you know, they say, well, it's just a natural form of sugar in the juice. But again, you've taken it away from really the the way that it was it was created to be put in your body yeah. so if you're doing that in small amounts probably not going to be a problem but if you're doing it thinking it's a health food so you're you know making it a high sure um, making that a, a staple in your diet then it's going to cause problems and again we've talked about this before um now it's even become like actual fruit um just that even though it has all the fiber and has all the vitamins and minerals in it because of its sugar content just because we're so unhealthy now, even something even like that, that can cause is, yeah. negative effects on our body. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, now we have to adapt again. We have to learn. Okay, this is something that potentially could cause me a problem. Um, so, man, yeah. So yeah, even even a good thing. I mean, yeah. There's a picture of some blueberries right over there. Like a good thing like that, because of the way that we've taken over other things has become now something we can't even enjoy like right. yeah right N- yeah because those blueberries over there used to be like our whiteies sure yeah you know, they used to eat them in small amounts when they would have them they would super enjoy it, it would be something potentially they'd have it during a celebration but now it's again become a yeah a health food and okay i got one more sugar question okay how about your little drink over there yeah so i think any i mean Anybody who's played around with kombucha and a second, I mean, maybe you've turned over and read the label and been like, oh, there's sugar in this. Like, this isn't good for me. Um, And especially if you have made it yourself and you've actually poured the sugar into it. uh, Why is why is that something you're choosing to drink? Well, when it actually when you get to the point where you're drinking it, the hope would be that that sugar has all been eaten up by the bacteria that also is involved in making yeah. making kombucha. So now um I guess the the amount of sugar is has been um decreased. So it's not like we're drinking the amount of the sugar that you put in the actual tea before it was fermented. Um but then also it creates these kind of microbes that are r- super good for for your body. So kind of you take something that was super negative potentially for your body and decrease the amount of it. But then also it, I guess, strengthens these microbes that are very good for your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a couple different benefits there of drinking something like that. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar, kombucha is a fermented tea. 
basically tea, this culture of bacteria and yeast and sugar. And that's kind of the combo that mm -hmm. produces this. Alex has got some uh, berries in there. Those are cherries. Oh, cherries. Is cherry is ch cherry's not considered a berry. I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know if it matters. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're trying some flavors. We typically just have the the plain, um, plain, yeah, you know, fermented tea. But for the kids mainly, get some flavor in there. Get some on it. Um, I don't think we're. Yeah, this is this is uh, definitely plenty for one episode. I don't think we're going to get to that vegetable oil. Wow, nope. I, I didn't really believe you at first, but we definitely did it. Uh, anything else on sugar, I guess? Well, I guess just kind of some practical stuff. So we know um, now that, that sh maybe I've already knew that sugar was bad, but we just didn't know the depth of um, the problems that it could cause and really how powerful it can be for your body and for your health if you stopped or if you minimize it. Mm -hmm. um, but best way to, to minimize, even if we just forgot about what we were just saying about sugar or about fruit, right? we continue to eat fruit, um, or even if we continue to drink some sort of a fruit juice, if we just for sure stopped drinking the soda, mm -hmm. and then we looked at packages that we're buying, bread that we're buying, yeah, um, whatever else, you know, processed type food, again, bag, box, all the stuff that we buy that's in the middle of the grocery store, we just turned it around and looked at, is there not just how much sugar's in it, but like all the different the types form, of sugar, yeah. um, then we would, it would actually be pretty easy to avoid, to avoid sugar, to minimize it as much as possible. So getting really good at reading food labels mm -hmm. is, uh, is something practical. So I know I kind of ragged on acute diets a little bit earlier, but so something like the Whole30 Almost everybody I know who has kind of tried that, you know, cold turkey after, you know, eating however they want, that's kind of their first glimpse into, oh, I'm going to try to, eat, you know, eat healthy for these 30 days or whatever. One of the things that I hear all the time is, so besides just eating the whole foods, there's a big push on no sugar and even like no like any type of sweetener. So even some of the sweeteners like a raw honey or, you know, a stevia leaf, like even that, avoiding that, the, one of the biggest things that people say is all these things that I wouldn't even have expected to be finding sugar in, like I, I can't buy that. I can't eat that because I've f like found it in all these places. I didn't expect to see it. Yeah. So yeah. I've even seen it in table salt. Really? I mean, not that, you know, you should be having table salt, but, um, <laughs> They have just, it should be just salt. Yeah. And they have sugar in it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, salad dressing, ketchup, oh, yeah. bread. You know, the second the second ingredient typically in bread is high fructose corn syrup. Mm -hmm. You know, it's enriched, enriched wheat flour or just wheat flour. Even if it's whole wheat flour, then the next thing is high fructose corn syrup. So mm -hmm. baby formula. Yeah. High in sugar. Man. Um, so... And it's like, for most of that stuff, it's at, it gets added for flavor. It's added for the experience of eating it and enjoying it and that kind of stuff. But like a a baby, like they they don't know any better, right? <laughs> you right. know. 
there's a spot in here in this book where she talks about uh, what pediatricians recommend for babies who need more nutrition. Mm-hmm. And they recommend Pediasure. You ever heard of that? Heard of Pediasure? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of made a, a slight reference to it earlier. Well, that was Pedialyte. Oh, Pedialyte. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, so um, Pediasure is the the like baby version of Insure. Sure. Probably. Okay. Okay. I'm not gonna find it, but basically, it's like has I think ten, ten times as much sugar as like breast milk. Yeah. What orders regular milk would have. So that's what the you know, kind of recommendation is for uh, for babies. If they can't get enough nutrition from mom to just go ahead and take in Pediasure that has 10 times as much sugar. So we just go ahead and start off all these, you know, insulin resistance and shutting down your immune system and gut issues. Yeah. Brain issues all at the beginning. Yeah. Jeepers. And to just speak to the cancer thing again, so <laughs> obligate glucose metabolizer. Only way it can survive is if it continues to take in sugar. And uh, I've had plenty of patients that um, are, have dealing with cancer. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that happens with cancer is they start to lose weight. So just to kind of give them calories. And like you were referencing, it's hard to, to break down food, potentially mm-hmm. when you're in a sick state. So something easy to ingest would be something right. like an insure, which is... Pretty Jeez. much pouring uh, gasoline on the fire there. Right. So. Uh, I've heard, maybe you can validate this, I've heard that, so if an alternative to breast milk is necessary, I've heard that goat's milk is actually the closest thing to human breast milk. Um. Yeah. Yep. So, oh, here it is. First ingredient is water and ensure the second ingredient is sugar, accounting for 108 grams per liter. Okay, so I mean that's a, a liter is a ton, but whole milk by comparison is eight grams of sugar per <laughs> liter. So okay, so that over ten times. That's actually a good reference to make because you you said earlier that dairy things like milk and even you know all these other things they they have a natural sugar content in them, but that's astronomically different. Yeah. Like you said, it's over 10 times. What were you, what did you ask me? Uh, the goat's milk thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well if that's, so if, uh, somebody can't, for whatever reason, um, nurse their baby, which Mm -hmm. I would try really, really hard, um, multiple times if that's not, um, happening in the beginning, but, of course, there's human breast milk donors yep. um, you can do. Um, but, yeah, goat's milk can also be um, helpful. Um, there still might need to be some things added to that. Um, DrAxe.com that we yeah. referenced in one of our earlier episodes, he has a, a alternative baby formula on there. I think Ricola might have one too. Sally Fallon in Nourishing Traditions also has a, a baby formula. Um Alternatives as opposed to just, you know, going to the sugar-filled formulas that are in the commercial stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, if you don't have any more thoughts, we've got like 50 seconds here before the camera's going to time out. So 50 seconds. 45. Oh. Yeah, so again, I would just be, we're not telling you to completely avoid it. I think that's impossible, Um, but just be smart with it. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, use it for times where you are celebrating, where you can enjoy it um, with yourself or with your family. But you have to, I guess, prepare yourself for that. Minimize it as much as possible before you get to those times um, if you want to avoid all the different things that we that we talked about. Sure. Cool. Vegetable oils at a future date. At a future date. Thanks for listening. I will tell you, it might be worse than sharing. Ooh, there you go. Teaser. Teaser.